Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Eric, how are you, friend? Oh, I'm going to tell you how I am. <laughs> I'm suspicious of how you might be. Mmm, feel it. Yeah, where is it? Dollar dollar bills, y'all. That's the Tom Allen song. That's exactly right. Breaking news this morning, which is Monday, as we tape this intro. Somehow, some way, amidst the global pandemic and the university and the athletic department being strapped for cash, they found a way to give this guy that deserves every penny of it a million dollar a year bonus. Yep, yep. The breaking well, news. I mean, and of course, this was the one time we taped our intro on Sunday, being like, no news is going to break between now and tomorrow. But I've never been more happy to redo an intro. It is it is the best. So for those of you who haven't read, which I'm sure is very few of you, but the news that broke this morning was Tom Allen's contract that goes through 2027 has been restructured, which basically means we're just paying the dude a bunch of money. They increased his average salary, average yearly salary from about 3.8 million to 4.9 million, which puts him roughly around sixth in the Big Ten. He's making about as much money as Kirk, is it Ferentz or Ferentz? I don't know. I think it's just Kirk Racist, right? (laughs) Yes, that is correct. Right. Um, So, uh, and, and also the deal. It, it keeps in place this kind of rolling year thing that they have where it was a seven-year deal when Tom Allen signed it. And the deal called for that every year Indiana made a qualified for a postseason bowl that another year would be added on to the end. So it's basically a rolling seven-year deal. I love the structure of that. That seems so smart. And I don't know how common that is. I don't know anything about other coaches um, contracts, but that one where I was like, yes, that's perfect reward-based extension every year. And frankly, I hope that means it goes to like 2045. Yeah, exactly. Uh, look, Scott Dolson was on our podcast not that long ago. 
We talked about how he, they knew they had to pay this guy. We've mm-hmm. been talking about how they have to pay this guy. And he didn't have to do it this year. Like, look, we're in spring football. Spring football starts today, Tuesday. And all the jobs are filled. Tom Allen's not going anywhere for next year. He did not have to give him the raise this year, but he did because it's the right thing to do to send a message to the guy that you want to be your head coach till 2045, that we we know you deserve more and we're going to step up. And he did it in the middle of a pandemic. And this is, you do see this happen a lot at the NFL with players. They get extended. Ballard does this a lot with his own guys, especially he drafted a, you get out ahead of a free agency. You get them early and you say you're valued member of this organization and you end up getting a little bit better deal than you would otherwise from really having test the market. Obviously it's a little different strategically in college football with coaches here. You you don't want those other schools to even think about calling. Well, and to your point, like, look on this one, there was no pending free agency, you know, because of the rolling deal, this thing was just going to roll for a while. I mean, it's at least out till 2027, you know? So, but what he had to worry about is exactly what you said. I think it's less about make other schools not even want to call. It's also make Tom Allen not even want to listen. Yeah. And that's what this does. Like he wants to be here. And I have a feeling that maybe our interview today touches on that because whoever we're talking to might have something to say about what Indiana means to the head coach of the football program. But we'll get to that in a second. Let's just say it's not a coincidence whenever this mysterious guest comes on our show. It's Tom great- Allen. <laughs> We're talking to Tom Allen today. Great things happen to the man after we interact. Of course, great things happen to us. You know, our, our, our whole being is lifted to heights uh, in the weeks prior to this. Well, I, we don't want to give too much away about how he helps us in this interview, this conversation, but we'll bring it up. It's, it's not a coincidence how well the team did after he came off the, the, the show the first time. And it's not a coincidence. Days after he speaks to us again, he gets an extra million bucks a year. I mean, we are the good luck charm. What <laughs> in the hell? When do we get a piece of that? I'm just saying, I'm sure he tithes for his yeah. church. Tithes to the guys who got you there. Yeah. I mean, talk to us. Best season in the history of Indiana in the Big Ten. Talk to us, million-dollar raise. (laughs) I mean, you got to talk to us more. I mean, clearly (laughs) that's what's happening. He should have talked to us right before the freaking – who did we play? Uh, 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 Old Mississippi State. Yeah, he should have talked to us before that game. But bottom line, couldn't be happier because it shows the university's commitment. It shows that Scott Dolson knows – how to find money to pay for what is needed. Let's not forget huge raise to the running backs coach, who is also the associate head coach, huge raise to the defensive coordinator. That was probably another half a million a year. Like, and there was what we don't know hasn't been reported yet was, was there a signing bonus for this Mm. restructured deal? Maybe bottom line. We've said it for a long time. Money is not the issue at Indiana University. I do not care what narrative people put out there. It is total horse s cover. That's all it is. When they want to do something, they will find the money to do it. 
to go back real quick too, I think making the kind of money he already was living in Bloomington, being, being a man who's so focused on football, he doesn't have a lot of time to go out there and make it rain in the clubs. Mm-mm. That to me, there is no doubt ponying up for those, uh, the coordinator and the, the running backs coach is just as important to Tom Allen wanting to stay in Bloomington as his own raise. Because what does he really want? He, he wants to have the resources he needs to be successful. When you couple that with what now you're looking at generational wealth over the course of this contract and he's home, come on, come on. This it's- guy's a Hoosier for life. Dolson's going to see to it. And it's funny, you know, you, you talked about like, because we've gotten to know him a little bit by talking to him twice now, but also just from every interview that you see of him, the locker room speeches, what you read about him, when you talk to people that know him very well, when you talk to the former players that we've talked to who talk about their relationship with him, you do get a real sense of what he is as a human being beyond just a football coach. I think we've got a very good idea of his humanity. And I want to use that to segue into basketball sure and look this was a horrible weekend for indiana basketball it was um you know could it end up being the nail the 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 final nail in the coffin could it be the straw that breaks the camel's back maybe we don't know uh we know it's not working right now and it's not working to the level that anyone wants it to work namely the coaching staff and you know, I went on Twitter before and I tweeted something out about Tom Allen. Like, congratulations, this is great. And anytime I've done that recently about Tom Allen or about the football program or about a recruit, invariably people twist it to take a shot at the basketball program. The basketball program is in bad shape. It is in bad shape right now on the court. The on the court product is in terrible shape. We all know that. But... The humanity that we've learned about with Tom Allen, and things are going great in football, so we're all heaping praise, which is great. Things are not going good in basketball, so we are heaping insults, and you don't have to look far on Twitter to find them. But you and I have talked a lot about this podcast and what it's done for us in giving us some perspective on people like Sharon Wilkerson, uh, Charlie Miller, Andre Patterson, um, even somebody like a um, Kyle Tabor, There is so much more going on behind the scenes that we don't know about. Personal drama, um, you know, personal uh, tragedy, injuries that we never hear about. That all the kind of hysterical insults and reactions that we've had over the years to certain players, we have, I feel bad about many of them because we've learned about these people as human beings and they are human beings. And I want to give one example of that very recently for this basketball staff. I don't think this has been reported, but Friday morning, this last Friday morning, Tom Ostrom's mother passed away. She was 91 in Minneapolis. Um, She had been sick for a little while. Uh, She had been, I think, in an assisted living facility or some, some kind of facility. So it wasn't like totally unexpected, but his mother passed away. He knew on Thursday, that it was turning south. So after like meetings with basketball players and doing his job and he got the call that things aren't great, he flies to Minneapolis on Thursday night, gets there very late. 
or, or gets there on Thursday night, spends a few hours with his mom and got to be with his mother for a few hours, stayed there Thursday night, Friday morning wakes up and the news was delivered to him that sometime Friday morning she passed away. His whole family was in Minneapolis. He brought his family there. He stayed with the family to take care of whatever needed to take care of. And then at some point on Friday, hopped in a rental car and drove back to Bloomington, you know, hours after his mother passed away, leaving his family, got into Bloomington really late, woke up, coached the game, and then got in the car and drove back to Minneapolis to be with his family to arrange for his mother's memorial service and funeral, which I believe is uh, Monday, so yesterday. How many of us would have just dropped what we were dealing with a, a, a family tragedy and gone to work the next day? Not many. I know I wouldn't have. And Indiana basketball means a tremendous amount to us. We all know that. It means maybe more to us than it should. But it also means a tremendous amount to the staff that is in place there. Archie and Tom and Mike and Kenya and Bill Comar and the entire support staff, they live, breathe, sleep, eat Indiana basketball. And they are trying their hardest. Has it worked out? No, not yet. It has not. They would be the first to admit it. But it just gives me a little bit of perspective when I see like the insults flying about Archie and the staff, that they are human beings also. That does not mean we should lower our expectations for what Indiana basketball success should be. But it does provide me at least a little perspective so that when I see the insults flying, I'm like, guys, they've got kids, they've got wives, they've got mothers who are passing away. And this guy dropped everything to come back and be there for this important game, which let's be honest, even if we beat Purdue, we're not making the NCAA tournament. No way. So did he really have to be at that game? No. Did it ever occur to him to not be at that game? No. That's what Indiana means to them. Regardless of what's happened on the court, They've treated the job with respect and dignity and integrity. And I respect that and admire it. And whether or not they stick around for the long haul, I will respect and admire their effort and have a little bit better perspective on the fact that they are human beings also. You think about what Parker Stewart just went through, what Joey Brunk went through not that long ago. And that's just three examples of this team right now who've all dealt with personal tragedies that blow away any hardships we think as fans we're going through with what this program's going through. And it's, I, I, I told you before, I had that moment of clarity where I just let go of all my own frustration and depression around the state of the program and was like, these poor guys, you know, you and I put a, a pretty good amount of time and effort into covering Indiana basketball and talking about it, but it's a fraction of what these guys put into it. And while we have other aspects of our career going on, this is these guys' livelihood. This is how they pay the bills. This, there's, there's so much wrapped up into it for them personally and professionally. It's like, it is what it is as far as the record and the lack of success. But now that we're living in an age where there's such a, a almost violent public discourse where you can just put out your meanest feelings about anybody and anything 
with a click of a button, we're, we're losing some of that humanity. There's a disconnect between um, what we're putting out into the world and what's really, really important. And if we keep talking about Indiana University as a family, which you and I could not believe more, uh, you know, even compared to two years ago, what that means, these guys are our family too. And when they move on or not yet, you know, eventually the coaching staff always moves on. Every coaching staff that's ever been here has moved on. But it's like, these guys are our family right now. And when something like this is going on, why pile on, especially publicly? It's like, you know, if you got to get it out with friends and text messages privately, we're all doing that. But it's, it's not only toxic for any of those players or coaches who might come across some of that stuff or be told about it. But it's that is also just a bad look for the program. So it's really not helping anything to be a dick. And that's the key because if you want to talk about how, you know, it's hard because last year we might have made the NCAA tournament, but we have not had any real success in four years, right? That's fair. If you want to talk about how the level of play at Indiana is not acceptable, that's fair. When it gets to the personal stuff, like, and even with players, you brought up three great examples, and you also have off-camera talked to me about the Seth Davis article that was written about Trace Jackson Davis, where yeah. you really get a sense of what Trace was like as a kid and some of the, the kind of, I mean, horrible injuries that he had to deal with as a kid and just what his demeanor was. You know, I, I recommend and, and anybody is, reading it. Is apparently just it, a it really, is. really sweet human being. He's just a good guy. And so you, you read, I read something yesterday, a tweet that was like, well, as long as Trace Jackson Davis is softer than a marshmallow, it's like, that's just not necessary. You can say you wish Trace, you know, again, I, I don't want to tell anybody how to do their thing because we're fans and we're crazy and we've had in, insane reactions to things. But I think we all know where this is heading right now. And I do wish these guys well, whether it's at Indiana or elsewhere. And it just makes me take a step back. It does not make me lower the bar of expectations for Indiana one iota. It does Two different things. Two different, Two different things. things. And it won't make Scott Dolson, and it shouldn't. And Scott Dolson needs to make the right call, <clears throat> excuse me, for the future of Indiana basketball. And I have confidence he will. But it does just provide a little bit of perspective on – what other people are going through at the time, you know, that we think all that matters is wins and losses. Well, he, Tom Ostrom just had the biggest loss you can have, you know, one of the biggest losses you can have in your life. He lost his mom. And so our thoughts and, and prayers and condolences are with him and his family. And I hope, I do hope that like he got to spend a few hours with his mom on Thursday night before she passed. He's going to take that with him for the rest of his life. And his mom got those few hours with her, with her son and I hope that that provides her, provided her, and provides the family some peace in an otherwise just tragic and, and debilitating time. Um, um, so I just wanted, I felt compelled to, to say that. Yeah, and uh, uh, it is something where if anybody does have that opportunity or, or the, the conduit through somebody, what, I, I just feel like if he could really feel the love right now, um, you know, I don't know tweet if he's gonna, Tweet yeah. back. Yeah, and and tweet, and tweet your thoughts and prayers. You know that you're thinking of him and his family. That you're sorry for his loss. 
because regardless of the performance, he's given his whole life to Indiana for the last four years, you know, and, you know, to turn it into for a second on what they have done, they've done a lot of good things behind the scenes for Indiana that will set up either themselves if they turn it around or the next staff, the facilities are better. The compliance issues are better. I'm sorry. APR. The APR is in the best shape it could be in. They have done a lot of good things. They have they have raised the floor, I think, of what Indiana is with some foundational pieces. And, you know, they should be thanked for that, Whether no matter what happens. The play on the court hasn't been good enough. And mercifully, honestly, mercifully, the season is almost over. I was going to mention this to you, that this is the first time in my life, I'm glad Indiana basketball is going to be over Hmm. because no matter what, no matter how disappointing a season has ended, uh, even if it's been bad throughout or a good season that ended too early, there's always sadness. Like, Oh, I don't have a game next week to watch. And it's been such a chore. It's been so difficult. These last, you know what you and I were looking after the first Purdue game at the schedule and, and we couldn't believe it, but we were like, I could see us only winning six games. And, and it got to seven. You know, I think we were looking somewhere between six and eight, and it's at seven. But we had no idea just how miserable it would be to watch us fulfill that prophecy. So this last Purdue game, I told you, it's the, it's the first time, you know, I've gone into the kitchen during live action to make a bowl of cereal or my son comes over to show me a monster drawing he made and I don't pause the game to be able to give him full attention and not lose a moment of action it's just like yeah yeah going through the motions let's get to that final buzzer as soon as possible because I experienced this both in IU basketball and in Colts football off-season we're getting better. Hope springs eternal. Hope springs eternal. People coming and going. These, this is the moves we're going to make to get back to the mountaintop. So when, when it became very apparent, there was no hope for this team this season. The, the, the clock started ticking down. And it's going to be relief when the last buzzer goes off. And we don't need to see this on the court again. I think that's true until about 10 days after where I'm going to miss Indiana basketball, because I will say this, you've brought this up. That is such a great point. I just did some quick math on my computer phone. (laughs) There are 525,600 minutes in a year. Okay. Of those, so half a million minutes in a year, there's 30 basketball games roughly. Right. And that's about 120 minutes of our time. Mm Mm-hmm. Wait, 1,200. Well, yeah, I was doing 60 times, or I'm sorry, uh, 30 times 120 minutes. Right. Which gets you to your point. (laughs) Right? You're just taking us through the steps. I'm taking you through the math. I'm doing my, I'm showing my work. 30 games times two hours, which is 120 minutes, is 3,600 minutes out of, Again, 525,000. In a given year, 0.6% of our time is spent watching the thing that we love the most. 0.6%. That's like one minute time. out of every, what, 200? 
Oh shit! Now why why'd you have to go one step further in the math? Like hey, I I just I'm 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 playing with you here. Sure. I, I want to participate. Yes, and we live for the games, and that small slice of our lives in a year provides so much angst and excitement and enthusiasm and depression and you know all all the emotions. So I'm relieved because it's been such a hard year and it will end now but I know I will miss it because I only get to spend 0.6% of my year with Indiana basketball. So give me as many games as you can. And once they tip against Rutgers, I'm going to be rooting my ass off that we go on a magical run to win the big 10 tournament. Like I, I just know I will be. And if I was in a pool for the big 10 tournament, I'd pick Indiana to win it because that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I don't think I've ever filled out a bracket that didn't have Indiana in the championship game and winning it. I've, I feel like that's how we do our part in metaphysical engineering. I yes, totally, totally. I'm throwing agree. away this $20 to one of my friends in most years, but it's what I have to do. And that one year where we'd get there, you are a genius. Yeah, no, 35 years ago, everybody was really jealous of <laughs> eight-year-old me's NCAA tourney pool. I, you know, one thing I do have to think about when you get to the offseason and hope springs eternal is we keep coming back to the idea of luck and that brings us full circle to our football coach which yes there's a lot of good decisions by people made uh up through today to have tom allen be where he's at and continue to be but the route he took you know what, what's he say you know seven states in 10 years or whatever it is it's, it was just such a crazy roller coaster ride from Ben Davis, you know, down to the SEC, back to Bloomington. And here he is. And we, we got lucky that way with Bobby Knight. You know, I'm not sure who the athletic director was back then, but to have the vision that this Ohio State grad that went 102 and 50 at West Point was going to be the guy who could not only equal Branch McCracken, but even surpass him in national championships there's a whole lot of luck in there. You know, Tons. maybe Bobby Knight was the, the, the sort of mid-major wonder kid of his day. I don't really know if there was even that kind of right. a, a, a buzz around. People in Indiana did coaching. not know Bobby Knight. No, no, few people in the country did. And so it's worked out all the stars aligned to bring Tom Allen to Bloomington and, you know, whether Archie and his team can learn and grow and, and become that success story, uh, or if they move on and the search begins again, it's like, will we get lucky again? Because there's, I read an article yesterday about how many slam dunk hires ever have there really been? And you could say Roy back to UNC. You could say Cal to Kentucky because of what he did elsewhere and then he has everything Kentucky has to totally. offer. You know, whoa. That was Dog Cheney flipping over his bowl of food. Literally, he was done with the food and he just flipped it. Like, go F yourself. It's not enough. <laughs> oh my he's God. He just sweet. picked up the bowl and he is just walking with the bowl. He's just walking in the backyard with the bowl. You know what my dog Dundee did last night? What's that? 
got up in the middle of the night, went into the bathroom and just took a massive dump all over the floor. At least he went to the bathroom. That's what I'm saying. That's luck. That's so, luck. Well, or is it? Or or does that dog know, oh, that's where they go to do that. They're asleep and they're not going to let me outside. I'll go try it to the best I can. Man, man's Look, best friend. I mean, better if, than taking a dump right on your bed. That's what I'm saying. That would have woken us up. The whole thing, at least then, you know, there was a little present waiting for us in the morning. That's nice. Did you step this, in it? No. Uh, fortunately, Annie found it. And, you know, whoever finds it has to deal with it. That's yeah, sure. just kind of so. That, and that's and that's when you, you're like, <sighs> yeah, you're, you're, oh, no, I didn't oh. hear you wake up, honey. Oh, thanks, Ed. <laughs> it's already in the washing machine. Awesome. Oh, yeah, I didn't hear you. I just didn't hear anything. It's so out. Yeah, I get that. Oh. This took a, a really lowbrow turn right before we introduced such a magic. I know place. that did take a lowbrow turn. Let's get, <laughs> let's bring it back. You are right on the basketball scene. Can we get lucky? We certainly got lucky and, and, and kudos to Fred Glass for making the move, but we also got lucky that Kelvin, Kevin Wilson was like forcing injured players to play. I like, I mean, that's not lucky in the, in the classic sense, but Kevin Wilson could have been the coach for a long time if he didn't do some crazy things behind the scenes. And you're right that you just think about every step that you mentioned on Tom Allen's journey, all the things that had to go into each one of those steps yeah. all led to him being available to be Indiana's defensive coordinator at that moment. And it, we were lucky. We were extremely lucky. I feel lucky to have him. And I feel extremely lucky that he is our guest today and i feel even luckier that scott dolson was able in the middle of a pandemic to go out there tell everybody i don't care how much money it's going to take i don't care how strapped we are we need something we're gonna get it and you know what i feel really lucky about What's that, that we are Powered by I was trying to do the Monday Night Football tune. I was with you. Yeah, oh, cool. it came through. I mean, that the, the, the long sustained note at the beginning was like traditional oh, and then right into Monday Night Football. So, no further ado, enjoy a really fun conversation with the greatest human in the world. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of Hoosier Nation, we're a little bit excited. You should be too. We have the man with us. Um, you can tell if you're watching this. If you're listening, you can't. Eric, why don't you tell them exactly who's back with us today and making us very, very happy. We should just cut and paste the intro from the last time so I don't sit through it again. So I'm just going to update it. I'm going to update it by saying we're talking to the gentleman who led Indiana to back-to-back -back January bowl games for the first time in program history. We're talking to the gentleman who got us to a top 10 ranking in both polls since, I mean, my parents were young. Uh, we are talking to the AFCA National Coach of the Year. We are talking to the Big Ten Coach of the Year. We are talking to the man who led Indiana to, to the most number of wins in the Big Ten in program history, tied with six in a obviously COVID-shortened season. We're talking to the gentleman who led the team to beating Penn State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Wisconsin 
all in the same year. And we would have beat Purdue for sure. Yes, no doubt. <laughs> we are talking to the best college football coach in the country and our favorite human being in the world. Please welcome Coach Tom Allen. Well, thank you, Eric and Ward. I sure appreciate you guys. And it's just a joy to be back on your show. Well, first it, things it's first. our joy. It is definitely our joy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the first thing we want to get to um, is we want to know how Thomas is doing. You know, he's, he's plugging away. You know, it's a tough, it's a tough recovery, tough rehab. It's a painful rehab. A lot of, a lot of hard work, a lot of stretching. Got to get that hip, you know, back to functioning again. So he's, uh, he's running in the, um, the underwater treadmill piece that we have here in Ultra G, which is a way to kind of take the pressure off your legs and, and have it uh, so he can do that right now. And, and uh, that's progressing and he's getting upper body work in now as well. So, but he's working hard and still on schedule to be back by fall. Well, when you know that's got to be so difficult for any athlete to go through at the collegiate level, but a lot of times it seems like it's a very lonely and isolated journey through rehab. What, what have you been able to do, you know, as not only as coach, but it is dad to keep him feeling apart and included with this incredible program you've built. Well, that, that is a key. And you mentioned that, that the isolation that they feel, that goes for everybody that gets a long-term injury like this and a whole you know, several months and months and months of rehab. And, and so you just basically more than anything, you want to make sure that they stay connected with their teammates, stay connected with their coaches. Uh, obviously, me and my son, you know, we've had the chance and he, he spent a lot of his rehab at home, you know, mm -hmm. having his mom there with him, which was, which was huge. And, and with that type of injury, I mean, it was well, he was flying his back for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks at the very beginning. So it was a pretty traumatic, uh, you know, first several couple months, actually. So, but he's, he's plugging his way through it. And as I said, but I think more than anything, it's just, it's a conscious effort to keep connected, you know, with their, with their staff and with our players. You know, a lot has changed since the last time we talked to you and it wasn't all that long ago. I will say that it's amazing what success does because even your background looks better now. Like you've got more footballs <laughs> in the back, there's more trophies, like everything is good. But we do want to bring this up. Look, you had a really good season before this last one, January bowl game, really good. But then you came on our podcast and since coming on our podcast, <laughs> you did become a top 10 team and win coach of the year and set all kinds of records. I, look, I mean, mm -hmm. do we get some credit here? Like, are hey. we a good luck charm? You guys are the common denominator. So, <laughs> hey, there you go. There's no doubt. That was, a, that was a springboard for everything that happened without question. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to clip that out and use it as our advertisement for this podcast. There you go. Um, look, there's so much I want to talk to you about. I, I want to, and I know we have short time. When I look back at, at this last season, First off, I just want to thank you and the team because this was the most challenging year for our country in yeah. so many ways. You know, I mean, it almost felt like wartime, you know, like where, where everyone is having to sacrifice. And we know the sacrifices you, your staff and the kids made, but you gave us something every week to sink our teeth into. And I mean, this is why sports matter because I'm telling you, you guys were the bright light in a dim world. And I just wanna thank you for that. But the question I wanna ask is, when I think back on the season, there's two things that really stick out. The Penix stretch, obviously, mm -hmm. against Penn State. Mm -hmm. And then the Wisconsin game 
and your media interview on the field after the game when the parade of players. So I have to know, how many times have you watched each of those clips on YouTube? <laughs> I mean, have you watched them regularly? Well, you know, I've watched both of them several times, correct. <laughs> you know, and you think about it, the first one was the first game of our regular season. And then the yes. Wisconsin game ended up being the last game of our regular season. You know, so amazing what happened in between. But uh, yeah, two, uh, you know, I guess moments that you'll never forget, you know, when you think about that first one, you know, and what it, what it encompassed. And, and you think about all that it took to even just get to play that game. Yeah. You know, we weren't supposed to play Penn State. You know, we were supposed to play Wisconsin. And matter of fact, every schedule that came out until the final one, it was always Wisconsin was going to be the opener up there. And so, and then, you know, flipping to, uh, to Penn State, but then just to be able to say, we've been so close with them the last several years and to be able to, and then just the way that the game played itself out. And uh, matter of fact, I got this card. I've said it before, but this is the card I keep my desk. It says minute 47, fourth and 21, we threw an incomplete pass. And on the bottom of the screen there, for ESPN, it said win probability, 99.9% Penn State, 0.1% Indiana. Can you hold That's that true. right up to the camera real close? Can you hold yeah. the card up to the camera so we can hopefully it. it'll focus on it? Oh, that's good. There we go. Oh, nice. Perfect. Thank you. And then, and then what I put on it was I said minute 42 on the clock, we drove 75 yards. And then the rest is history. <laughs> and I put it at the bottom, as a man thinks, so is he. Just about mindset, about expectation. And so I'm, I'm going to keep that card in front of me in my, every single day because what a great reminder. You know, that because we really had played well. And at the very end, with three minutes to go, they scored to go up by a point. And then we got the ball back. That's what led to the that last incomplete pass. And that was, you know, we let them score after that. And then they did it. And then we took the ball. And so, as you know, everything else played out the way it did. But just the way to come back like that, our offense was struggling. and But then Michael Penix just – you know, was unbelievable. You know, that whole drive to, to tie the game, he was unbelievable. The throws that he made, the catches that were made by our receivers, and, and then the touchdown throw, and then the, obviously the going for two and what he did, just the athletic ability that he showed. I mean, you, you know, he's left-handed. I mean, just to be able to put that ball in your right hand and to, to reach out with your right hand, you know, your non-dominant hand to do that and leap and just be totally – I mean, it's just an unbelievable play, you know. And so, anyways, and then you think about at the very end of the season – to Wisconsin and just, you know, and I, I kind of laugh about it because I was trying to talk, you know, I was trying to answer the questions for, for the, uh, you know, the ESPN interview there with Holly Rowe and, and they just kept coming up and make sure I knocked my headset off. I tried to get it back on. And, and, but then just the, just the genuine outpouring, it just it brought tears to my eyes when I, when I watched it for the first time, because when it's going on, you don't really think much about it, you know? And so then I was just like, wow, and these guys are awesome. And, just think about how much I love them and care about them. It was, it was a pretty cool moment. Well, and it was one that we we all felt as it was happening. And then we watched it a, a bunch of times back. And it was so fun and joyous. And it made you feel so good about rooting for this team because of that love that's there. And I will say, when I went back and watched it again, maybe the most touching part was then when the interview was over and Jack Tuttle came over and you guys had that moment while the camera was still rolling. And, and not one person in the nation watching thought that that was being done for the cameras. That was such a display of, of love between a coach and his player and a player who'd stepped in after, you know, another real tragic incident during the season where you lose this incredibly special player who we were just speaking of, who got the whole ball rolling and had some incredible games. 
And, and how, how did you, were there things you had to say or do to the team to keep them rolling after Penix went down or at that point, was the team already so bought into we're, we're, we can do it no matter what? I think they were bought in. I do. But I do think it's a fragile moment, you know, but here's what but flipped everything, I think. So, and it goes back to Jack, which is why that moment was so special because, you know, when he stepped in that game against Maryland, you know, that game was tight at that moment. And so, but he came in and he made a throw right out of the gate yeah. and he never missed a beat. I mean, he absolutely was so ready to play and that's why I was so impressed by him and even that time there after the Wisconsin game was so special because I knew how hard he had worked and even though he had really not gotten a chance to show who would become as a player because you know he was a backup and the backup quarterback is the guy that's got prepared just like the starter but he may never play one snap but he better be ready because when he's called upon he can't just ease into it he had to hit the ground running and he did his preparation has been that way every day the way he approaches practice, the pregame, even when he's not the guy that's playing. So just so much respect. That's why I think that's the, that's the other word. Just, I just think about the respect that these team, these guys have for each other and what I have for them and how hard they work, what they overcame this whole offseason to get to that 2020 year. was It was just a special, special season for sure. I remember watching that live and just being overwhelmed with emotion. I mean, I'm serious. I goosebumps. I had tears in my eyes. It was amazing. And – then, of course, as a fan, because, you know, we just want more and we want to win. I immediately went to my head just went to this is the single greatest recruiting video that mm. could ever be produced, period. And we've talked a lot about how, you know, you, you, you sell a vision to recruits. You hope you can get kids to buy in before you have results. Then you hope the results come. And does that add gasoline on the fire. And I'm just curious, you've had a few months now, a couple months since the season ended, where I'm sure you've been headfirst into recruiting. Have you seen a response to what you did on the field? And also, and I know you don't like being selfish here, but your star power went from, he's a really good coach to, you became a national star this year. And I'm just curious, did you see a response in the last couple months on the recruiting trail? There's no question that there's a different response with it. You know, I, and it's, there's, it's absolutely has to do with what you just said, you know, with what they saw, you know, it's, you can talk about it all you want, but you gotta, you gotta go do it. You know, you gotta go prove it on the field. And, and, and then, you know, I think the, the way some things were captured throughout the season, the locker room, you know, but then even just how our kids play and the energy on the sideline when you don't have hardly any fans in the stands and yet it was obvious that this culture that we've created here, and I say we because it's all of us and it takes so many people. And, and, and that culture was just kind of on display for the whole country to see. And then they took it into the locker room. And so what we do in recruiting is just, we got all those video clips now. I mean, it is, it is huge. I mean, it is, it is golden in terms of the material because it's not staged. I mean, it's just, I don't even, when I, in those moments, I don't even think about the fact that it's being taped. You really don't, you're just, you know, I don't even plan what I'm going to say before you go to the locker room. It's just a, it's a pure reaction of, of what you trust your heart to say and what you feel like your team needs, whether it was the Ohio State game, when it was after a tough loss, or after those big wins where you got to see a different type of locker room. So, but regardless, it's just they got a chance to see and, and just a peek into what's it like to play in this program. 
And as a parent, well, how's my son going to be treated? What kind of environment is he going to be in? And so I just think when you can say, hey, this is what it looks like. This is what it's going to be like. And um, I think it just makes it more powerful for sure. So, yeah, it's been huge. And, and uh, we just said, uh, but it's a, we still got to find the guys that fit with us. I'm never going to change all that. But, but you got to continue to elevate your program, continue to keep building, keep building and keep building. Well, and an extension of that has to be now with your coaching staff. After a couple of pretty big losses, uh, you didn't have to rebuild defensive coordinator or running backs coach. You reloaded with somebody from the SEC and somebody from a Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs staff. Those conversations you have with those coaches, again, is a lot of the work already done for you because they've seen what's going on in Bloomington and they, they want to be a part of it? Well, it's a consistent theme, you know, and, and whether we're recruiting players to come play for us or recruiting coaches to come coach for us, to me, it's the same response. And, and that's why when I talked to Charlton, even for the first time, the first thing he talked about was our culture. He talked about the sideline. He talked about the effort on the field. He talked about the locker room, you know, and then when Dylan McCullough reached out to me, because he was, he was the one who reached out to me at first when he knew that, that Mike was moving on to Michigan. And, and uh, he was, just, I was just kind of like, you know, a little bit surprised at first, but at the same time, I was like, I understood what he meant because he, he knew what we built here. He's seen it. And he was just so impressed with, you know, cause he was here before, you know, and, and we coached together. I was a DC and he was you know, the running backs coach at the 2016 season. So he, he even commented about, he, you know, he saw the beginnings of this on the defensive side of the football way back then. And so, yeah, but it goes back to the culture piece. And like I said, whether it's recruiting, you know, staff members to come here or players to come here, that's what they're talking about is, hey, I want to be a part of what Indiana has built right now. I know you don't like talking about personal accolades. I, I get it. And it's why we love you. That said, it was a season of amazing accomplishment for yourself as well. And you got recognition for it. I'm just curious, as you look back over the last really six months only, is there one award or or even moment, like, for example, I know you were on Coach K's podcast and that got a ton of listens, which was very cool. And you have Coach K saying, I want to go play for you. <laughs> Is there one moment that we either know or don't know that we saw or didn't see that stands out to you as like, you go back and talk to your wife and you're like, that was pretty cool, right? There were several, you know, and <laughs> you, you mentioned many of them, but, but I think the one thing that probably sticks out is the, the AFCA coach of the year, uh, because that's your peers, you know, that's, yeah. uh, that's your fellow coaches. Um, I've been going to that convention, the AFCA convention since I was a high school coach many, mm. many, many years ago, and year after year after year as a high school coach. And it would be there in the hallways and listen to all these college coaches talk. And, and, and just to think of the, the list of guys that, that have been blessed to win that award in the past. And now my name's on there is, is it's, it's, a, it's very humbling. And it just kind of take, makes just take a step back and be like, Wow, what an amazing journey. Even talking to Todd Berry, who's the executive director and, and, and does so much work with coaches uh, there, and just his ability to kind of see the journey too and appreciate going from a high school coach, then and not just college, but like Division three, right, right. then NEI, and then FCS, and mid-major, and then in the SEC, and then Big Ten. And so just to have that, that's an unusual path, you know, to be a Power Five head coach. Most of them don't have 15 years of high school you know, or division three, small college coaching experience. So I think there's just a, an appreciation for what it's taken to get here. You know, so, and I just think that's why that one was really, really special. Is there a plaque or trophy associated with that? It's not here yet. But I tell you what, I got to show you one though. Oh yeah. Wait, show us something. <laughs> this is the Bear Bryant. Oh, okay. this is oh. the Bear Bryant. 
Big Ten Coach of the Year. And I was a finalist for his award. But what an amazing. Wow. Look at that. That is beautiful. That is a piece of art. It is. It's unbelievable. And, and just the fact that, that, that who he was and who he represented, the fact that my name was even, you know, remotely associated with him is just, you know, it's just it's crazy. You that know, thing looks like it's got some. I believe, I it's got some it good. It's, like, I, I just so it's pretty cool. That, that thing that looks is, like it's got some good weight to it. Oh, it does. It does. Yeah. I, go, I can get a workout for that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, it's just delightful to see how excited you are to be in the position you are that there's that, you know, an arrogance or of, of course, this is what's owed to me. Like it's more of a pinch me type feeling. Is this really, is is this really happening? But I have to imagine you are not one to be like, I'm great. I'm really satisfied (laughs) with where I'm at. We're good now. And so I wonder as you come off of such an incredible season, what is something specifically you look back on and, and looking forward to that you want to improve upon as a head coach. You're saying, as a head coach, I could do this better. Well, there's a lot of things. I mean, there's, you know, just, you gotta, I think just even continue to game day management of situations and just always going back and evaluating, you know, using your timeouts and clock management. And, and did we call this at the right time or call that? And just in all three phases, offense, defense, and special teams and, and going through that process right now, you know, um, I just feel like I got to always do a better job of, of connecting with our players during the season when a lot of things are going on and it's so easy to just get so focused on who you're playing next and, and the season. And, and, you know, life doesn't just stop for these guys. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes on at home and that it affects them, you know. So just continuing to be very in tune with our team and, and, and better on game day. You know, I just want to continue to improve in that and, and grow and learn from mistakes made and, and learn from mistakes made by others as well as you watch film and those kind of things. So, but I just think you just grow and you keep learning. And, and like you said, you know, we, we did, we had an amazing season in so many ways, but we didn't reach our goal. You know, we, we didn't win our bowl game and we didn't, we didn't win the, the, the East. We didn't win the big 10 championship. And so, you know, there's a lot out there. That's why our one work from 2021 is chase. And there's a whole other discussion for that, but, but at the same time, and there's so much, more and so much we got to do that uh yeah i'm just so excited that uh, we're making progress we're building but we got a lot of work to do so i want to talk about the one word thing because i've read a lot of the interviews that you've done talking about the one word that you have you know it's become kind of your mantra you pick a word for the season and it has a lot of meaning and you spend a lot of time on it but what i'm most interested in is it didn't start with you as a football coach like you use this in your family as well can you walk us through how, like when your kids were young, you, you used the one word thing as part of your family? Yeah. So basically, you know, I'm, I'm a big reader. And so I read a book by John Gordon and, and a couple other guys who wrote and Dan Britton was another co-author and it's called one word. And it's about picking one word that you're going to focus on for the whole year. And it's about a, a word to give you purpose and focus and help create that passion in your life for the things that matter to you. And so we started doing it as a family, you know, way before I ever did it as a, as a coach. And and so my wife had every one word. I have my one word and every one of our children would pick a one word and they have to have reasons why they picked it. And then we, we say, you either hyperlink a verse to it or a song to it, you know, just to be able to have a connection with that one word. And then the whole, the whole point is, is you, once we all know each other's one word, we post them throughout our house and we'd hold them accountable for Are you living out your one word every single day? And so I took that concept to our football team. And it's been amazing. We have a one-word wall right outside the weight room for every awesome. one of our players. 
they understand how big those one words are. They're always excited to hear what the one word is going to be for the for the new season for the next year. And I always have a very first meeting for when they come back from the bowl game and in, in, in January, where that's the whole focus of that meeting is you know they're working on theirs, and I give them a deadline. They have to always this year was they had to have theirs posted on social media by. Uh, the Super Bowl. That was the deadline I gave him. And so, and then, but then when I talk to him, we have our meetings right after they get back. And it's about why they picked it. I always want to know why that to me, yeah. that's the big, it's the, cause it's always personal for each kid. So, but that just creates a whole network of, of meaning to what we're doing. And it's not just something that you do flippantly. And, and I, every staff member that I hire here, I give them the one word book and they got to read it when they first get hired here. Cause they got to pick their one word. I don't want them to, want them to understand why we do it and how it's, process is done so it's become a powerful thing for our program because it gives us focus and attention to the things we care we care the most about see your your kids are um better than me because if i was in your family and you said pick one word i'd have been like allowance <laughs> that's my one word put it up all over the house dad <laughs> but we wanted to do something with you coach want to do something a little fun i knew how much that meant to you ward and i talked about it we picked a word for ourselves real and we wanted to present it to you and have you tell us what you think about it okay great all right sure. ward you want to go first yeah i'm just nervous that coach has never made somebody change their one word before and this <laughs> this might be the day oh goodness um but it's something actually it, it went back before eric and i started discussing it a word that sort of has uh, just become very centering to me over the last couple of weeks really and it's gratitude and so when Eric proposed this idea, I was like, well, that's my word, gratitude for the year. And I really do want to stick with it. So what do you think of gratitude and how can I go about making sure I'm getting the most out of my one word? Well, first of all, I would say, because I, I do this with other players, I'd say, man, that's an awesome one word. And here's why. Because when you live a life that appreciates what you have, and what my challenge would be, hey, every day you write down three things that you're grateful for. You know, you start a, a grateful log where you say, hey, I got this, this, this. You just keep adding to it. And I think when you focus on the things that you have that you feel blessed to have, it changed your whole mindset because it's all about, you know, what you focus on. And so when you start focusing on what you have, what you don't have, and all the things that I'm grateful for, and, I'm, and I have a, an attitude of gratitude, then I have a whole different way that I approach my day. So I think that's an awesome word. Wow. I'll, I'll do it. Uh, I'll do it. My, my right. gratitude log. I'm starting today. That's Thank a you. lot to live up to. For, for me to come up with my word. All right, so here's mine. I did think about it a lot. I thought about being funny with it, but I'm not going to be funny with it. The one word for me is engage. And the reason is, look, you've liked a lot of the tweets that we've sent out about the football program, right? I spend time on the, on the phone with Twitter. And look, that's a form of engagement. But look, every minute that I'm on this phone, I'm not with my kids you know, and I'm not focused. And I realized I have spent too much time engaging kind of in this weird world and not, I could be better at engaging with the people that are meaningful in my life. My girlfriend, my kids, my parents, my brother and sister, my friends like Ward. Um, we, we engage plenty. We do. We actually, let's, <laughs> what I really mean is I want to do less engagement with Ward. But I want, I want to engage more fully in the people that are really meaningful in my life and their lives. So that's why engage is my word. Well, and here's what I would say to you. So when I think of that, that's why I want our players to tell me why, because when they say their one word, sometimes I don't, 
that doesn't trigger the first thing in my head isn't always the way they describe it. So I always want to know from their heart why they picked it. And so when you think about that word engage and, and the reasons why you picked it, because that is critical. I, I want to do that myself. When I go home, man, these phones can be great. And also you can become a slave to these things. Yes. So I have to put it down. I'm working on that still. So, but you want to engage in the people that you care about, because when you do that, you send a strong message to them that they have value and they're important to you. And, and that's what I got to do a better job. And so my challenge to you is, man, that's a great one word. And, and now the, the challenge is, okay, make sure you live up to that. And you are doing a great job of setting aside time to put the phone away and being locked in and paying attention to and actually listening. I'm talking to myself here because I have the same challenges, right. but to be able to listen and be engaged in the conversation with the people that I care about. So that's, that's a great one word. Right. Well, and as you're speaking, I can only imagine the demands on your time from the last time you were on the, the, the show with us to now is so much greater when you do become Yeah, last star. time you gave us an hour. Now we only get half no, an hour. It was like two. It was <laughs> like two. That's how you know what his demands are. There we're you not go. Gonna... That's it. Living proof. <laughs> so I think you really hit upon some key tenets of of how to stay grounded and focused and engaged with your family. But how are you dealing with all the extra demands that come on the coach of the year? Yeah, it's challenging. But but I think, you know, you, you talk about, you know, right now we're reading a book together as a staff and it's called Win the Day. And it's an awesome book, but it's about compartmentalizing your life and, and not being distracted by the worries of, you know, the tomorrow or the negatives of yesterday, whatever, and just being living in day tight compartments. But a big part of that is daily habits, being extremely organized uh, to be able to maximize my day. And, and that's the part. And that and we talk about this with our players too, because that's how you improve yourself as both a person, as a student athlete, and as a football player. And so, but for me personally, man, it's, I got to be disciplined. I got to maximize my day. I got to rise up early. I got to take full advantage of my day. I got to be very organized with what I do, how I do it, when I want to study film, when I'm going to recruit, when I want to spend time doing things I got to do, when I got to speak, you know, Zoom's become, you know, very powerful, but also very time consuming just because a lot of people want me to do things and I want to be able to do a good job with that. But I also have to say no sometimes, you know, so that's, that's hard. And so, but at the same time, it's about having great habits that you establish and doing a great job of maximizing the time you have each and every day. So I had the blessing, truthfully, of heading down to Tampa to be part of the bowl game experience. Now, look, we all know it didn't end the way we all wanted to, but I did go down to Florida with this guy, my board ward. <laughs> you did give us a fist pound. I did. But the reason I wanted to go, even in the midst of the, the pandemic, was I wanted to experience LEO in real life. Like, I just wanted to be around it and see if I could get a piece of it. And I didn't know what the situation would be. But the night before the game, up until what the curfew was, like 10 o'clock or whatever it was, the players were outside the hotel. There was a couple restaurants. It was the most joyous atmosphere I have mm -hmm. ever been a part of. The parents of the players, the staff, the fans that were down there. I got to talk to so many people. Do you have the perspective yet, or can you even allow yourself to have the perspective on what you have created, not just for your program, but for people like us, for fans that have been starving for something like this for decades? And what you mean to us as a, as a community? 
Do you have any perspective on that? You know, I definitely did not during the season. Um, I would say even that, that night before the game, I would not have felt that way. Uh, I will say as I've had interactions like this um, and phone calls, text messages, numerous, numerous letters that I can't even begin to tell you how many I've gotten, people thanking me for what you've talked about there and, and the, the environment that we've created and, and the, the culture that we've created. And so I guess I'm probably starting to feel a little bit of that more as we've had a chance to look back maybe. Uh, but I think anytime you're in it, you don't always see it that sure. way. Uh, but, but I also know that um, the vision has always been to create a big old family there where there's a high level of accountability, toughness, and love. And, and that to me, all three of those things make them what it is and make it special. And you can't have you know, one without the other. And, and then and to me, within that love piece is just so much respect for each other and genuine concern for each other. And that affects the parents and how they feel about this part. And it doesn't mean everybody's gonna get to play like they wanna play. You know, every, so, but, so that's where I'm like, it's not about getting what you want. That's why we say so much, it's not about me. It's not about trying to get credit for myself. It's about we, it's about what we're doing together and the journey we, we're on together to allow us to maximize each other because we're better together. And that to me is what makes it special. So um, it, it's definitely, you know, becoming what I envisioned it to become. And, and I see it continuing because I feel like that it's a, the foundation is strong and therefore it allows you to just keep building and building. And I have to wonder what, th this was something that occurred to me watching one of the locker room videos. <clears throat> so excited about the team, the accomplishments on the field, but looking at all those young men and <clears throat> what you're instilling in them to be as, as human beings when they go out into the world, I, I, I felt gratitude to have the head coach of our football team at my beloved university, not just putting a team on the field that we really love and, and feel so lucky to be cheering for because of the way they play and the spirit with which they play. But it just hit me like a ton of bricks. You're sending a, a class every year out into the world. And yeah, a few will, will go on to be professional football players and, and that's awesome too. But the vast majority are gonna go out into the world with these principles instilled in them and, and make it a better country, make it a better world by what you've instilled in them. And I'm wondering, do you already, do you already see some of that at work? Some of the guys who have already graduated, um, even when you were defensive coordinator, but now as head coach going out into the world and just doing things that really are good for your heart and your soul? There's no question. And to me, that's always been the goal. You know, that's been the purpose for why I went into coaching in the first place. And so I think that's where um, I think people, when they start seeing that that's just part of what we do here, and that's not just a recruiting spiel to, to a family to say this and that, but that is truly the objective. I think that's why you get the response that you've gotten from these players in a way it's been over time, because it hasn't mattered where we've been. So whether it's some small high school, a big high school, a small college or a big college, that's always been the goal is to help develop men and who you become and, and the qualities that you develop and those characteristics that you're not going to leave and you're not going to lose when you go become a, a husband and a father and a community leader and a businessman or whatever profession you choose because the game will always end. 
it's gonna it's gonna end for all of us. Even Tom Brady, he seems like he's gonna play forever. <laughs> oh man, I hope it ends soon. Eventually, he will retire and have to do something else, you know. And so, but my point is, is that that's the goal and that's the purpose. And to me, I've all and I think that's why I feel like football takes care of itself when you coach from the heart to the heart and you help them become the man they were created to be. And when you stick to that and you believe in that, and that becomes the foundation of what you want to do, I, I think you're seeing what the outgrowth of that is. Before we let you go, and I know we're wrapping up, but I just got to say this. I don't know if you've seen any of these conversations, but the way people talk about you now and the way we believe in you is that we feel like we found our Bob Knight of football. That's how it feels to us. We feel like we found the guy who will establish, who has established what we are, what we, how we represent ourselves, how we represent the school, much more than a sport. And that's how we feel about you. So I am putting you on the spot. Tell us you want to stay at Indiana forever. Please tell us. Well, I will tell you this, that yes, I, this is the place. To, when you become a head coach at certain play, I mean, people pick head coaches, okay, for, for football, you know, because that's a sport I deal with. And so I feel like that it's about fit, okay? That's a key part of finding that person for that certain job. And it's like you've seen guys, they've done well, and then they, they leave and go somewhere else, and all of a sudden it's like, <laughs> It just right. doesn't work, you know, right. and sometimes you're like, man, you sometimes you're surprised, sometimes you're not surprised, but it just doesn't. And so I just feel like that, you know, I'm not 25 years old. You know, we, we've been we've been you know, we've had a journey. We've been we've we had that time where seven states in 10 years. I mean, all those different things. And, and so this is this is my home, you know, and, and I believe we have a, a university that is committed to investing in football. You know, and that's a critical piece. And, it, and as long as that continues, you know, and, and I believe it will. And we got an awesome AD that gets it. And our administration has been so supportive of that. That to me is what I want. And yes, this is my home. And this is a place I would love to be at for a long, long, long time. Absolutely. I can't tell you how, may, how good that makes all of us feel, because I will tell you, if you ever leave, the one word that I'll have for that year will be much different. <laughs> It'll be much different. It may be two words. It may be two words. But coach, we love you. We love your team. We love what you've done with the program. We, as you know, are as big of a supporter of what you're doing as can possibly be. We are trying to sell season tickets because we want to put every, every seat needs to have a button it next year, as long as Indiana allows for that. But we, we love you, man. And, and we just could not be more happy, proud, and and just excited and excited about what you're doing well eric the ward appreciate you appreciate all you guys do for indiana and uh have an awesome day Ellie, you, you, too. Coach, you too good luck <laughs> don't you just feel good yeah it's like molecular it's like the, the whole body's humming it just it's i felt it even before we got on with him because when we did it before we knew what the like literal sensation is and when he was talking to me about my word yeah. my one word i just had goosebumps all over my body and and it was no longer hey we're we're doing an episode of a podcast it's like coach allen is helping me with my life right now there is a physiological response listening to that man talk in to use my word for a second engaging with him creates and causes a physiological response. I'm not kidding. My heart is beating faster. I can't sit still. I have goosebumps. Like there is, there is actually a physical response happening because of what that guy just hits you right in your soul. And he's our guy. 
Like he's our guy. And I just, it makes me emotional. I am so proud that he's our guy. And it, it all happened organically, right? A by accident, kid. really. I mean, some of, it, some of it by accident, as far as how he landed in Indiana. Sure. Destiny like, fate, that's where you what? start to go, maybe there is something, you know, <laughs> guiding us. Well, and, and, you know, I'm sh- certain he feels that way, that none of this is an accident. But however you want to figure he got to where he is today, it feels so right. And when he says this is home, it's like, yes, he needs to continue to get the institutional support. And Scott Dolson clearly ponied up for a couple of great assistant coaches, uh, a coordinator and a running backs coach um, to, to say, hey, we're going to put our money where our mouth is. And I love it. Coach Allen said he gets it. Like, that's the key phrase with Scott. He gets it. And so I think we all feel very confident that support will continue to be there. And you know the kind of guy Coach Allen is and where he's from here, Indiana, that it just wouldn't mean as much to him anywhere else. Could not agree more with that. The other great thing about him is like, I mean, he is the coach of the year. He's on the level. I mean, look, Nick Saban is the greatest coach in the history of college football by by the success that he's had right there's no real but and I know we haven't competed for a national championship but he's in the conversation of the best coaches in the country for sure And, and he is so excited to show us the Bear Bryant award like there's a there is a genuine youthful enthusiasm to him that like you said there's no arrogance there's no I'm better than that there's a pinch me to him (laughs) that I feel like is what just continues to drive him. And I'm glad that he is feeling in the wake of the season, what that season and what he and the program are meaning to people, because I can only imagine with a guy like that, it just adds more fuel to the fire. As if he needed the naturally caffeinated Tom Allen, as if he needed more fuel, but give it to him and anything is possible. And now, and I, I don't want to say this like, like it was missing for him because nothing was missing. He built this out of nothing. But I bet you he feels a responsibility to the thing that he has built now. And that doesn't just mean the players and the coaches and the staff. It means the fans, the parents, the friends. like The university. The university. He feels a responsibility to never let up, to just keep driving i mean just the idea that he makes the staff read the book the one word like that's this like special sauce that people that like just cover recruiting analytics brian snow and other people that that have no (laughs) that have no respect for this stuff because they think it's just like mumbo jumbo it is real it absolutely matters The people living it tell you it matters. And you cannot force someone to be that. They either are that or they aren't. And I just love the staff is reading a book together now. Like they all, he just wants everybody locked in as much as they can. I freaking love him. Yeah, it's such a holistic approach to football and the game of life that you do. You feel like, wow, he we know how jacked we get 
and how inspired we get from a half an hour with the man. And you imagine he's got the better part of a hundred plus people within his direct influence on a daily basis. And what a juggernaut that is of, of positivity, of belief, of growth. It's, it's something that I can't imagine any recruit walks through. And, and if we're feeling this over a Zoom with, with one guy compared to, you know, you walk into a locker room with that guy and a hundred people around him who are all in on what he's doing, you've got to be like, wow, this man will change the trajectory of my life in a positive manner without question. I, I couldn't agree more. I also want to say, look, I'm sure some people out there are like, why didn't you ask about how Penix is coming along? You know, what's the running back situation? Like, look, to me, Tom Allen is just so much more than just one player and like an update on one guy's injury. I mean, I think we saw it with Tuttle coming in for Penix last year. What that guy is doing, I just want to pick his brain as much as possible for the macro stuff because he has figured out a way to find meaning in daily life and overarching themes in life that that we can all just benefit from i mean i seriously just it's like it's bigger than a player in a game now look of course if we weren't winning this conversation would be different but it's the proof is in the pudding it's working like his stuff works so let's let's all use it to win in life you're going to get those questions answered. Uh, other reporters will ask it. Like that's the press conference yeah. stuff. How's Penix doing? What are the recruits? And, and we love that stuff. And Matt Weaver brings it to us in spades. We don't need to re-ask his questions or questions he's going to ask in, in a couple more weeks. Uh, Peegs has us all squared away on the real day-to-day football machinations. And it is, it's just such an exceptional opportunity for us and hopefully our listeners to glean the, the intangibles, the, as you say, the, the macro big picture stuff that really apply to our lives much more than, well, you know, what, what kind of new offensive schemes are you installing in the right. off season? Like, yeah, I can't really apply that directly to my life. And, you know, I think when you compare him to Bobby Knight, obviously they're, they're so different in so many ways. That's not the comparison. It is that, you know, Bobby Knight, in a very different way, a master psychologist, right? In terms of motivating and getting a team to work together, taking a big trip uh, around the world to get a team to really coalesce and build a chemistry. And that play those, for something bigger than themselves, right? And, and there's and there's a great tie that does bind them directly. And so, you know, there will be so many more insightful and analytical breakdowns of what makes a Tom Allen football team play well on Saturday. For us, it's like, it's such a treasure to be able to, to what, what makes you such a special human being? And can we get some of that to make us a little bit more special? Yeah. You just want to know what makes them tick. And, uh, you know, we got a a little bit more of it. I just love them. I mean, like, I cannot wait for football. I, uh, another good time to say, we have bought two season tickets for the upcoming football season. We are going to give away those tickets to every single game, except for one, which we will take and attend. The only catch is everybody who listens to this will be eligible. You have to bring board ward to the game with you. 
and take a picture and post it. So that is- What do they do with them? Like, I don't know, put it next to you, cheer with them. I mean, he's versatile. He is versatile. <laughs> he, look, watch this move. Watch this move. That's nice. You yeah, could get I mean, him to go like, if you need some to drive traffic to your your taxes, if you're if you're if you're doing tax season right now, get him out on the sidewalk and spin him around. Yeah, I'm gonna just keep him right there. Um, so we're yeah. gonna tell people as the season approaches how we're gonna give away those tickets. It'll be some kind of contest you know, some simple fun thing, but we want people in the stadium. And we just heard Tom Allen say, this is my home. I want to be here. He did say, as long as the university keeps supporting it, part of that will be to give him a deal that is commiserate with what he has earned. Okay. And what he is worth. And the way that we can help make sure the university does that is by buying tickets and putting our butts in seats. That is the single biggest revenue stream that Indiana football needs to ensure that the resources can continue to flow. So please, if you can, if you have the means, call the ticket office and buy some tickets to be season ticket holders of this amazing thing that's happening at Indiana University. And along with that, look at it as an opportunity to say thank you. I feel so lucky. We got to thank him personally. I feel very fortunate and I feel gratitude for being able to tell him that directly. But imagine 15, 20,000 of us, what's Memorial Stadium hold now? 25, 30, 40? What are you talking about? It's like 50,000, 55,000. I thought it was like around 40 when- Oh, before, before, they, running, before they closed it. It was like 40 was before more they, than 40. But it's before like they 50, closed it? I think so. I think now it's 55, though. Yeah, I started off thinking basketball numbers, but then I jumped to football. But yeah, either way, let's say you're going to look it up and then we'll tell people exactly. I am. I am. Capacity of Memorial Stadium is 52,626. Okay, we don't want anybody from any opposing schools getting in there. Maybe they're they're gifted, I don't know, a few hundred for the, the fans and the big boosters. But let's say 50,000 plus of us are in that stadium. We'll start with opening day, but keep it rolling all season. That's the way to say thank you, is to get in there and cheer your ass off. And that is like, look what they did without that. Look what they did that just with with the internal energy they had in that locker room and, you know, probably some real positive social media, but that's nothing like your voice in that stadium screaming down at the field that you love them and that you support them and that you're grateful for the blood, sweat, and tears literally that they're putting into this program every day. So let's, let's kick off the season with a big ass. Thank you. Uh, and buy your tickets so you can do it all season long. And it's going to get harder and more expensive to get good season tickets. It's just going to get harder and harder the more and more success we have. So get in early, and then you'll be you'll be the grandparents that are gifting these incredible football season tickets down to the generations in your family. I like it. So I think in summary, show your gratitude for Indiana football and Tom Allen and what he has done by engaging with the ticket office to purchase <laughs> tickets as we all chase a Big Ten championship. There it is. Boom! Nailed it! <laughs> oh, full circle. Well done. It. 
<laughs> Follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But, but the, the sometimes, sometimes why. And we will be back at you next week. God bless Tom Allen. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Archie and his boys, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.